This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the morning worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for September 17, 2023. The title of the message is Getting Rid of Idols. Now, if you would uh, turn in your Bibles with me, if you have a different translation or you don't have a Bible, you can follow along um, with the slide behind me or in the bulletin. We'll be looking at Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, as we go through our our short series uh, through what it means to walk by faith, not by sight. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask him for his help so that we can uh, understand what we're about to hear. Our Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come and indwell in our hearts. Lord, to open our eyes, to unstop our ears, and even to open up our mouths, Lord, so that as we hear it, we can, we can sing your praises. We can give our hearty amen. Uh, we can uh, ask in our hearts uh, questions, uh, Lord, of what we're going to hear. We pray, Father, for your Holy Spirit uh, to do more than that, to lead us and guide us into the truth that is contained within. Lord, would you be with me as I read, particularly, Lord, as I proclaim it. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you as we hear and as we proclaim. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Here... Now the reading of God's holy word, beginning in verse 1. Jesus, he, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down and hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. May he add his blessing to it this morning. When we think of idols or idolatry, we normally think of some primitive people uh, dressed in primitive clothing in a far-flung exotic uh, uh, country bowing down before a hand-carved image, whether it's stone, wood, or some precious metal of gold. We think of the thousands and thousands of Hindu gods um, in their temples. We think of the ancient 
Greek gods uh, of the Parthenon, something we think of Athena, the god of wisdom, or Zeus, the, the god of lightning, the, the, the king of, of, of all the gods. We may imagine the Israelite people bowing down in the middle of the desert uh, to a golden calf and calling it uh, God. Uh, God created us in his image, and what that endows upon us is this innate desire to worship. It's in our DNA to worship something or someone, uh, to look to those things as our God so that we love and serve and worship it. And every culture and every age have their own unique idols. This includes us. Our culture has its own set of idols. We have our own set of priests, objects of worship, and rituals. Uh, Though they are not ancient, they are modern. We have our own shrines, whether they are offices, spas and gyms, studios, or stadiums. Uh, Wherever we go to meet our idol, uh, to find our identity, uh, to look to for hope, and to, to pray for our dreams to come true. We too make sacrifices to win the blessings of our gods, to bless us with the good life as we uh, see it or whatever they promise, or to keep us from disaster lest we, um, uh, lest we fall short and our lives are over as we know it. Uh, the ancients had gods of beauty, uh, uh, and we have our gods of beauty and influence through the, through the shrine of Instagram or TikTok. Or we have the, our, our own gods of power and success or gods of money. We may not physically kneel before Aphrodite uh, and and. and and sacrifice uh, so that we might be beautiful. Uh, We may not bow down to a statue of mammon and ask for more money, although some people do that in the world. But here in in our context in America, uh, we have the gods of success and power, of beauty. And when we fail... uh, Young women, for example, are driven to depression and eating disorders because they don't live up uh, to the gods of beauty of our culture. And we may not sacrifice children, literally little sacrifice children uh, to appease our gods, but we will engage in a kind of child sacrifice, neglecting family and community, to work a little harder, to gain more wealth. And so we do sacrifice our children on the altar of of our own personal success and gain. These idols are deeply rooted in the fabric of our lives and in in our hearts. We're so used to them that they become a part of our identity, our hopes, and our dreams, and we can't imagine life without them. We think that if we don't have them, Our lives are as good as over. And so we look to them for help and hope. Uh, And uh, and when Paul, when the Apostle Paul 
stood up on the Mount uh, of Areopagus, the Mars Hill, uh, and gave his speech. You know, he said, oh, I see that you are a religious people. You have statues, shrines, temples, gods, to all kinds of things. And you even have a, a, a shrine to the, to the unknown God, right, trying to hedge their bets. And, it is very, it's, and it's not unlike our, what we experience to this day. We have gods all over the place. And, uh, and uh, if we don't see them as we think they are, uh, we have some kind of unknown God so that we can hedge our bets. And so this morning, those, uh, the cultural context in which we find ourselves is a culture of idol worship, modern idol worship. And they're so deeply rooted in our lives, we don't know how to get rid of them. And so the question I want us to consider this morning is how do we get rid of our idols, the idols that so enslave us and, and uh, drive us and, and push us to do all these things. And if we fail, then we fall and our lives are over. Um, how do we get rid of the idols in our lives? And this is what Zacchaeus helps us to, to consider as he realizes that, um, that idols are just that. They are idols. They are counterfeit gods that cannot help him or save him. So how do we get rid of the deep-rooted idols in our lives? Well, first, we have to recognize those deep-rooted idols in our lives. We have to identify them and see them for what they are. Luke tells us here uh, in, in chapter 19 that Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector and was rich. Now, I think that little, you know, you know that a guy is rich when somebody says he's rich, right? And he must have been very, very rich because he was the chief tax collector, right? And this is why the people grumbled uh, against him in verse 7, that Jesus was going to be a guest of a man who was, who was a sinner. He must have been a social outcast and a pariah. His job as chief collector, tax collector was to oversee all the other tax collectors in whatever region he was in charge of. And in these ancient times, the Roman government that, was, um, that had colonized that region the way that they oppressed a people was to tax them into poverty, to tax them so that they can't fight back, uh, to tax them so that all that they can do is work to feed themselves day by day, and the rest of the money would go to the Roman government. And the way that they did that was through tax collectors picked and chosen from among their own people uh, to to, uh, to turn on their own people. And what they would do is they would contract with the government to collect a certain amount that they would pay the Roman government, but they could ask for more, way more, as their own fee. And that's what they did. Uh, for example, if, if the Roman government said, we want a dollar from everybody, right, then the tax collectors could collect $10 from everybody, give the Roman government $1 for that one person, and pocket the other nine. This was why tax collectors were so hated in the ancient world and, 
and uh, in some countries, including our own, uh, they're not liked very much. Nobody wants uh, an IRS tax agent to knock on their door, right? They're not, they're not our favorite people, socially speaking. And it's always been that way throughout the history of the world. And, uh, and because he was chief tax collector, he pocketed all the money that everyone else was, was uh, skimming off of uh, the population there. And so he was not only the chief tax collector, but he was the chief, uh, ch- the chief sinner in some ways. Uh, because they represented also the oppression of the Roman government against uh, the Jews there. And so Luke tells us um, that Zacchaeus was rich. And so it begs the question, why would anyone want to be so hated by his own people? Why would someone take the side of, of Rome in oppressing your own people, your own countrymen, uh, where your family is despised, your wife and your children uh, are mocked uh, and hated and called sinners and children of sinners and a spouse of sinner. Why? Because of greed, right? Some things transcend uh, historical context, cultural context. We know exactly what Luke is describing here. The Bible describes greed as a form of idolatry, Colossians 3.5, Ephesians 5.5. And this is Zacchaeus' idol, that he is willing to sacrifice uh, his own people so that he could become rich. And that's why he is so hated. So then we ask the question, what is an idol really? Idols are when we take good things like love, money, success, even family, and turn them into ultimate things. Tim Keller says idols are when our hearts deify good things as the center of our lives because we think they can give us significance and security, safety and fulfillment if we attain them. See, idols are anything and anyone that we love, trust, and obey instead of the one true and living God. It's what we live for and therefore then controls everything in our lives. And so if we worship power, then we're controlled by it and we'll do anything to attain it. If we worship acceptance, right, then we're controlled by how other people think about us and we'll do anything to please those people. Some of you know what that, what that looks like. That we're, we, to the very core, we're people pleasers. How, if anyone would dare have any negative opinion about us, we completely change our lives so that that one person won't, uh, won't be offended or, or, or not dislike us. Um, and we, we put on different masks in different social circles because we don't want to offend anybody. We want everyone to love us. And so we are willing to compromise what we believe and who we are. Why? Because we worship acceptance. And then, uh, in addition to this, this definition of idol, Tim Keller also uh, talks about, in his book, Counter, uh, Counterfeit Gods, uh, which I recommend, 
he talks about the difference between deep idols and surface idols. Deep idols are the root from which our idolatry uh, arise, and surface idols are the visible ways in which we act uh, those uh, deep idols out in our lives. Deep idols are the sins that affect our deepest desires and motivations from which our surface idols arise. So, for example, deep idols, if, uh, deep idols such as power, approval, comfort, or control uh, can manifest differently in, uh, in surface idols. Right? So, for example, if, if we have a deep idol of power or control, then money can be the surface idol by which we gain or lose it. Right? Or if security is our deep idol, then you, you can use money to give you more and more security. See, money is, is an idol, but it's also the currency of our idolatry. And, uh, and the reason for this is because idolatry isn't just what we do. It's who we are. It's what we love. It controls us at a deep heart level. And that's what Zacchaeus is struggling with as a very wealthy chief tax collector and, uh, and as, as, as just a wealthy man who thinks that he doesn't need anything. And so how do we recognize the idols in our hearts and in our lives? Uh, so if idols are good things that we turn into ultimate things, if they are those deep idols that we look to for our deepest hopes, happiness, and desires, then those are our deep idols there. They are the idol beneath the idol. And so here's some of the ways to recognize the idols in our hearts. Fill in the blank. If I only had blank, then I would be truly happy. What do you think about all the time and what do you obsess over? What keeps you up at night? What makes you worry? What gives you anxiety? What are those things in your life by which your joy and your happiness rise and fall? What is that one thing without which you cannot live? And if it's ever lost or taken away, you feel like dying. That's that's how you recognize what your idols are. And once we recognize our idols, what do we do? Right? It's not just enough to know what they are. We have to do something about it. How do we get rid of them? After we recognize our idols, then we have to replace them with the real thing. Right? If idols are counterfeit gods, then we have to replace them with the true God. We can't just get rid of them. We have to replace them. Uh, and how do we do that? With a deeper love and desire for God. And how do we do that? Zacchaeus shows us the way. We need to, first we need to seek after Jesus. Look at verse 3. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. You see, like all idols, they will always fall short of what they promise. They are counterfeit gods who can never provide what only the true God is able to. The good news about Jesus Uh, must have traveled all over the place, even to Jericho, 
And, uh, and, and Zacchaeus must have heard all the things that Jesus has done, uh, the miracles that he performed, uh, the people that he fed, uh, the sick that he healed, the lepers that he cleansed, the uh, demon-possessed that he, that he uh, uh, expelled, um, and the teachings that the kingdom of God has come, that in the hearing of the prophecy of Isaiah that, the, uh, that, uh, that the, the Messiah would suffer and die for his people, uh, all the things that Jesus had taught must have circulated like news, right? And, Jer- and, and it must have come to Jericho and Zacchaeus probably heard the good news about Jesus. Maybe Zacchaeus then uh, deep down in his heart, realized how empty his life really was. He had all this money, and yet his life, there was something missing in his life. He realized that, many, that money can't buy happiness. It can't buy him security, influence, and power. Everybody hated him. No one would talk to him. And so there must have been something missing in his life, some need that only Jesus could could fulfill because everyone else is going after Jesus and maybe I need Jesus too. And so what does Zacchaeus do? He goes looking for Jesus. That's what we need to do. Then we need to do whatever it takes to see Jesus. Not just to seek after him, but to look for him. Look at what Jesus, look at Zacchaeus. It goes on, he goes on to say there, but on account of the crowd, he could not. There are so many people, and you have this short man, this short, uh, uh, this short tax collector. He can't see over the taller people. And so, so what does he do? He runs ahead. There's got to be some kind of planning there, and there's got to be some sense of a need. And then he climbs up a sycamore tree, right? Maybe it's the, the one sycamore tree in, in the city of Jericho that he gets the best, uh, uh, best view. Maybe it was a tree that he climbed when he was a little boy. Um, because he wants to see him before Jesus passes uh, by. And then he misses him. That deep desire and desperation uh, that Zacchaeus exhibits is how we ought to look for Jesus. You see, Zacchaeus forgoes any semblance of decorum, right? I mean, can you imagine a wealthy, the wealthiest man in, in, city, in the town climbing a tree just to look at a man? And, and you have to remember the, the ancient clothing, right? The, the kind of like the toga-like uh, Semitic clothing. I mean, you know, we, they didn't wear pants the way that we did. I mean, um, it must have been difficult for him to climb with the clothes that he had. This was just not done by wealthy people to climb a tree. And so in a sense, he's desperate, and, but at the same time, it, it shows how, how he's humbling himself in order to see Jesus. And so he climbs a tree in order to see him because it's the only way that he can see Jesus. He may not know it, but he's looking to see not only the Messiah, the Savior, but the Son of God incarnate. 
the greatest treasure in all the universe, the joy of all the nations, the promised son of David. Uh, just like in, in, in other gospel stories, like the bleeding woman, for example, who said, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Jesus, uh, Zacchaeus is climbing the trees. If only I can get a glimpse of him, and maybe my life will change. And that's exactly what he does. Zacchaeus does whatever it takes just to see Jesus so that he might find the lasting joy and, and hope and happiness that money up until now, power up until now, could not give him. And this is what we must do to get rid of our idols. We have to recognize our need for him and seek after him to humble ourselves and do whatever it takes just to see him. What Zacchaeus does in seeing him, we must do in order to trust him. That's ultimately what Zacchaeus is doing. He's looking to Jesus for hope, for happiness, peace, and joy in life. And here's the beauty of the scene. Here's the grace of the gospel uh, that that Zacchaeus is looking for and he finds in Jesus. Here's how God gets rid of the idols in our hearts. When we seek after and see Jesus, it's only because he first seeks after and sees us. Look at what he does in verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Do you see that? Jesus never met Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus never never met Jesus. But yet Jesus knows exactly who he is. He sees him and seeks after him and and invites himself into Zacchaeus' life. Here's the point. We can't just get rid of idols. If we could, then we could just let them go. We wouldn't have any problems. Uh, We wouldn't have any of the problems that we have with them. Jesus in his love for us knows exactly who we are. Like Zeus, he sees us broken and enslaved to our idols. He knows how desperate we are for a real savior. He sees us up in the trees, desperate to seek after him, desperate to see him, desperate for him. And he calls us then to hurry and come to him so that he may come into our lives. And so how do we respond? Look at what Zacchaeus does. He hurries down and he receives Jesus joyfully. When Jesus calls you to come down from your idols, come down from your desperation, and he sees you and you see him, and he says, hurry down, you hurry to Jesus and let him into your life, not just your home. This is the call of Jesus in the gospel. He calls sinners to himself because he wants to come and stay with us, to stay in our hearts, in our lives. And so when Zacchaeus receives Jesus, he received a Savior, not just into his home for dinner, 
but into his heart for, for eternal life. This morning, are you looking for answers to the emptiness in your soul? Like Zitlachias, are your idols of power or money or security or control, have they failed and have you fallen short of their promise? Do you sacrifice everything to appease them and yet true happiness eludes you? Like Zacchaeus, are you looking for a savior to satisfy your deepest longings and desires? Like Zacchaeus, maybe you've heard of Jesus and you can't see him in the busyness of your life. But he sees you. If you would humble yourself in your desperation and need, if you would seek after and look for him, then you will find him because he first seeks after and finds you. He sees you in your sins and struggles, in your brokenness and need, and he calls to you, hurry down, for I must stay with you today. And if you hurry to him and receive him joyfully, you too will be saved. Look at what Jesus says of Zacchaeus. Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. This is the same kind of description that Paul tells us in Romans, to all those who put their faith in Christ, that they are saved and they are sons of Abraham. This is how we get rid of our idols. God's grace pulls, pulls them up, roots and all, and throws them out of our hearts, displacing them, replacing them with a better, greater, more satisfying love. Love in Christ, love from God, love for God. It's the love of God in Christ that gives us a more powerful love that frees us from the grip of idols. This is how all of a sudden Zacchaeus can give away half of all that he has to give to the poor. Just think about that. He's going to give half of all that he has to the poor. I mean, would you do that? And whatever, whatever he's defrauded, which is probably all of his wealth, right? He, he is going to give back fourfold, which uh, is a command from the Old Testament. You see, the reason why he can do that is because Jesus has displaced the idol of money and of greed and of power in his heart with a love for Jesus that surpasses that love for money. And he pushes it out and frees him now to, so that money is just money. He can use money and not be used by it. He, he's free to let go of money so that money no longer has a hold on him. When we are freed from our idols, we're freed from them to serve the Lord. This identity, hope, and security in life is no longer in money, but it is now in Christ, the greatest treasure in all the universe. And so you can only push out a love for idols 
with a stronger, deeper love for something else. And this is what Thomas Chalmers calls the, the, uh, the expulsive power of a new affection. He says this, the only way to dispossess the heart of an old affection is by the expulsive, and that's an old way of saying, the expelling power of a new one with the love of him who is greater than the world. You can only overcome idols by loving God more than your idols. And how do you do that? By seeing how much God has loved you in Christ in order to free you from your idols. Just as Zacchaeus climbed a tree to seek after Jesus for salvation, Jesus climbed another tree to seek after and to save you from your sins. He who was rich beyond all splendor and measure humbled himself and became poor so that by his poverty we might become rich in grace, rich in eternal life, rich in forgiveness. And it is that richness of God's grace in our lives that pushes out the love of money and every other idol in our lives. So if you are struggling, friends, brothers and sisters, if you're struggling with an idol, uh, it's a, it's a, a sin that you just can't seem to, to shake. It haunts you. It's always, you're always thinking about it. When you're laying down in bed all alone or or you're in your office all alone, or you're just thinking about whatever comes to your mind, it is that sin that just holds on to you. You can't just, you can't just get rid of it. Like a weed, if you try to cut it out, it only comes back because the roots are still there. The only way to get rid of those idols is for God's grace to come into your life and pull them out, roots and all, and plant in its place a deeper love for him, a deeper satisfaction in him. And it's all because of what Jesus has done for you in the gospel. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for, we thank you, Lord, for the good news that frees us from our idols. Lord, this morning, help us to see our idols for what they are, And help us to replace them by receiving Jesus and loving him more than anything else. Lord, we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.